Welcome to Hot Off the Press, a podcast that provides knowledge and emotional support for new and aspiring printers. I'm Jillian of Studio Soprano. And I'm Mariah of Mariah Creates, and we are two letterpress printers who believe in sharing our knowledge and learning together. We're here to help bridge the gap between antique printing methods and modern design. So hang up your apron, put down those palette knives, and let's get into what's hot off the press. Hello, friends, and welcome back to Hot Off the Press. I am Mariah of Mariah Creates, and I'm here with my delightful co-host, Jillian of Studio Soprano. And today we are super stoked to welcome a guest to the podcast, James Tucker of the Aesthetic Union in San Francisco. Welcome, James. Woo! Hey, thanks for for having me. It's it's great to be on. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we are super stoked to hear more about the Aesthetic Union and, you know, your experience with having a print shop in San Francisco and the evolution of that that I'm sure has taken place in the last 10 years. So why don't we start off? You know, we we know that you have a kind of a physical space where you invite collaboration and focus on community. And, you know, just tell us more about that. Tell us how you started Aesthetic Union and, you know, what does it function as today? Yeah, definitely. So <laughs> to talk about Aesthetic Union talks about like my journey as a printer. And so it it started where a lot of letterpress artists career start, I think in college, probably behind a computer and being dissatisfied <laughs> of just <laughs> sitting behind a computer all day and not working um, with our hands kind of physically. I became, I kind of found my way into the screen printing department at Maryland Institute called Art in 2005 and then saw a catalog show or a catalog for a show from Hat Show Print. And I was working with a lot of band posters at the time. And I was just, I just couldn't, I was like, what is this? This is, is this a Photoshop filter? Like, how is this type <laughs> working on this paper? Like, how do I do this? And Kyle Van Horn, who has uh, a Baltimore print studio, who is the shop tech, was like, this is, that's Hatch. I heard they have internships. You should contact them, go down there. And that's what I did. That summer, I was down there. And I was 2000, summer of 2006, I was learning from Brad Vetter, right up, right under Brad Vetter, who's a great printer now, and learning with a lot of other people who are wonderful printers. And that was my first experience with letterpress is, you know, how to typeset Johnny Cash poster and print it in front of people. And I mean, that's, that's really kind of like what, how I first experienced letterpress was this shop that allowed people to come into the space watch the process happen and have a takeaway of that process and that's what i knew what i wanted when i got out of college i wanted to shop somehow i needed to learn more about the craft and so after baltimore i moved to san francisco because i'm originally from the the New Jersey shore and I didn't want to move to New York. And that was kind of like, (laughs) there was a lot of print shops in New York city or San Francisco. And I was like, San Francisco was cheaper at the time, 2007 (laughs) and had a better, better weather. And it wasn't 30 minutes away from my family. And so I needed to prove to myself that I could do it really alone. And I got a job as a bookbinder when I first got here. And then eventually a letterpress printer at a wedding invitation shop and really learned how to work windmills and like Heidelberg windmills and Heidelberg cylinder presses and got to learn how to operate a business in the in the production level and you know eventually got laid off from that job and I started a blog about myself after hours before I got laid off and it was called the aesthetic union which I came up with the name about it was more about a designer coming to me with a concept and a process and then the press person taking that process and concept and actually making something brand new. So we're not just making the design, we're making something brand new with that design. So it's a pure collaboration, pure union. Um, I love that. And that's where the, that's where the name came from. Awesome. And I uh, started a Tumblr with that, you know, talking about process and craft. This is about the time like Anthony Bourdain was, you know, coming out with, talking about food and kind of the behind the scenes. And I was like, well, there's something about 
craft in general, not just food, that could be interesting to people. And um, then I hopped on Instagram when it was kind of brand new. Mm-hmm. And the, there's a larger kind of heritage ceramics company in San Francisco called Pete Ceramics. Yeah. Uh, and they had new owners uh, 2010, and they were building a new building two blocks away from my first job the book, in the book bindery at this old laundry facility where they're going to make a tile factory. And they wanted small shops around the area. And this is after I thought, you know, San Francisco is not the place for me. It's too expensive. This is the <laughs> summer. This is like 2012 into 2013. So really, yeah. really height of tech, you know. And uh, they were like, we'll give you, do you want a space? We love your blog. Did you want a print shop? Maybe. Uh, did you commit <laughs> to that? And like, I said, well, I'm not. on my Christmas list for many years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I said, well, uh, I'm not doing anything. And this is my chance. Um, I saved quite a bit of money by just like not partying all the time when I was young in San Francisco and, <laughs> and really not going out and just being like a real shut in, just printing, you know, and put all my money up front for that shop because I figured this is what it's about. So in December 4th, I think of, 2013, I opened my shop, the Aesthetic Union, which was really a model of what I experienced at Hat Show Print, which was retail space, selling the stuff we saw or we made in the back on the presses, and people could see uh, the presses making things. And it was really, really weird for people. They just (laughs) didn't understand if it was a shop or what it was. And it it was cool. It got a lot of attention. I was doing a lot of printing for designers. Uh, I would have shows, like a tax day show, like ask all my friends who are designers, hey, come up with something one color, I'll print it, make 50 copies, and I'll give you a percentage, and we'll have a big party, and we'll try to sell out. And that's how a lot of people first came to the shop. Now we just made it for the first three, four, maybe four years, was just collaborations like that breaking even, um, that sort of thing. And uh, it's just evolved from there. So we've been in business for, this is our 10th year in business now. And that's, you know, in San Francisco as a printer, (laughs) 10 years in business. My rent does go up. I do have a deal, but my rent does go up. uh, (laughs) And I have to pay my employees, you know, San Francisco wages and stuff. I I have employees now, which is really great. Um, But we've, done a lot of things we've evolved we we de-evolved and we have evolved again yeah (laughs) and uh, yeah it's it's been a long it's been a long haul but that's what it was about yeah are you still in that same space that you yeah yeah Yeah. that's incredible i think it's 1700 square feet we're really packed in here now uh you know we started out with a heidelberg windmill because i figured that's how i can make money and make rent business cards mm-hmm. and then got my second press was a heidelberg cylinder press a three ton press because <laughs> i couldn't afford a vander cook right like yeah. i couldn't afford a twenty twenty five thousand dollar machine which was what they were going for and so a friend was getting rid of a cylinder press and i said well i have the space and it can print sort of like a vander cook just has air suction i had to learn a whole other way of printing with that and <laughs> that was the second press i got and so now I have three Vandercooks, which is amazing, two windmills, a cylinder press, and a number of small etching presses to do experiments on. That's awesome. So, yeah, still in the same place. And so when you moved into the space, did you have your idol like did you have a press already or did you get it after you kind of realized you were gonna have the space for it? It's uh I got the press after I had the space for it. I had a my first press was um was a uh, 10 by 15 chandler and price foot treadle mm-hmm. operated i restored the whole thing got it for free in, from new jersey it was in my grandmother's garage um and uh yeah it was uh i was trying to remember who who actually bought it so i sold it when i bought this other press and it coincidentally i have this great picture of my grandmother my cousin 
I forget his name, but he owns uh, Just a Jar in Ohio. Okay. Um, and I have, he's picking up that press and he's been a very successful letterpress printer. He uses <laughs> that press sometimes and I see it on Instagram. I'm like, oh my God, that's the press <laughs> I, I got that's in college. Wild. So that was my first press and it's still being used, which is really, really cool. That um, is cool. But yeah, I got, I got the windmill when I got the, the awesome. space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's hard. You know, a lot of us, I think we end up with, you know, a Chandler and Price in grandma's garage. And then, you know, when you do have a studio space, it's all of a sudden like, okay, it's full now. I got this 1700 Mm -hmm. square foot space. And then it's like an explosion of equipment. You know, we all get very, very trigger happy with that. We've joked about that a lot. But yeah. Yeah. And it definitely is the cost threshold, like is the only thing that ever holds us back because I would fill every nook and cranny of my house, my garage, spaces <laughs> I don't even own with presses if I could. It's yeah. hard, isn't it? It's, well, it's the cylinder, hard. the Heidelberg cylinder has a huge footprint, doesn't it? It's not just heavy, but it's like. Yeah, I, I mean, I have the smaller one. So yeah. the smaller one can print 16 by 20, and it still takes up a good 10 feet by 4 feet of footprint. Yeah. And then I need, you know, all the electricity that goes along with it. Yeah. But it's really, um, we use it quite a bit and one of one of the things that keeps us going as a small business in san francisco is kind of those larger clients or medium-sized clients that two or three times a month from us because we're printing coffee labels or you know we're making notebooks for them so that's what we're making a lot of stuff on these days yeah that's awesome so it was worth it (laughs) it was good return on investment yeah think about whenever you're buying a press i always tell people when they're asking advice is like think if how much can you charge for prints and stuff like that and and will it be worth it eventually yeah. you know and yeah. i think that was yeah i just took a uh, workshop with uh uh daffy from switzerland who's like a poster printer and does a lot of experimental stuff we do our stuff is similar the way we work on our kind of personal level and then bring it into our commercial side Mm-hmm. And we were just talking about kind of the beauty of letterpress printing because unlike a lot of artists, like art and craft-driven uh, processes, we, for the most part, letterpress printers do think about that kind of commercial aspect of the business. Like, how how are we making money with this? Like, we have to support ourselves. And yeah. I think it's because this was a, such a, it was a, commercial trade for so long that became a a craft yeah i've noticed that a lot of like the you know i use the the term old timers fondly but like a lot of people who you know were printing 20 30 years ago or maybe later in life or they were you know tradesmen when they were younger i feel like there's a lot of this like shift in quote-unquote job printing you know where it's not Mm -hmm. just art it's not just prints it's not just you know special editions we're like doing this job printing and i think that there's been kind of an upswing in that you know with a lot of us who want to make letterpress printing our actual you know income our support system and our full-time job and there's it's a it's an interesting dynamic because there's a whole sect that's like strictly art driven and then there's this other group of printers who are doing those jobs and printing those labels or you know those business cards or what have you to kind of make ends meet so it's kind of fun to see um and it can be surprising you know how many people appreciate letterpress even for things like business cards or for business stationery thank you cards for their customers generic mm-hmm. stuff you know so it's kind labels of for see. whiskey yeah like, labels yeah. for whiskey yeah, <laughs> yeah. see yeah. i do i do love that i love that about letterpress is that it is like the people's <laughs> kind of art like yeah. You know, I, I became a printmaker because printmaking was a way for information to be spread very easily, mm-hmm. but it was also a way for art to be spread very easily. Yeah. And I think about that a lot too, especially with the rise of Rizograph and other forms of printing. We're not like cutting edge technology anymore. So how do we think about letterpress now when it's kind of gotten stuck again in this like this look, this aesthetic of wedding invitations and business cards and heavy impression and mm-hmm. and and that sort of stuff and, and wood type posters. That's important to the history of letterpress, but I don't think it's important for where it can go. I'm always into pushing it and pushing what we can see the machines do. 
And I think that's hard when we talk about commercial work because clients don't want to take the risks like that. And it's Mm -hmm. really up to the artist and up to the printer that does have the free time to experiment and show a client what things can look like. Yeah. I've come to this point in my career where the the business, the aesthetic union as a business is is successful and kind of stands on its own. But it's um it's hard to think about the future and not and think about me kind of being still in this still under that umbrella and experimenting the way I want to experiment with. Yeah. And I've done a lot of stuff. I've done I've got to work with, you know, so many really, really amazing people. And I had this so last year I got into this kind of existential crisis because I'm always in an existential crisis. But last year I got into this existential crisis kind of there was a lot of um I, de- I developed a lot of ways of working with the press and kind of saw those being used by other people and kind of commercialized by other people way better than I can because even though I I am a good salesperson I'm I'm not the best salesperson. So I I was questioning you know do I do I talk to these people about that sort of thing? Like taking my processes and using them? Or do I just kind of like go ahead and go forth and do something different? And I think after talking with some people about taking my processes and using them, I've decided that it's kind of not the best way to go about it. And I just kind of want to do something completely different. And what really inspired me about doing something completely different was working with Andy Goldsworthy is a land-based artist who I've really admired since high school. And I got a call from a gallery that represents him in San Francisco last year. And I said, hey, do you want to work with Andy on a project? And I said, are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) Easy answer. It was great. It was great. It It was basically like kind of like that culmination of like how how good can I have it as a printmaker? How good can I have it as just a printer? Is like working with an artist I really, really admire, having a really, really great time and having the results of that collaboration and that edition being like a true collaboration, being like something that he wouldn't have done just by himself, but him being like, what should we do, James? And I'm like, I don't know. You're fucking Andy Goldsworth. What should we do? And he was just so trusting with me. And we did something amazing. And we worked together really closely for, he came a month before, then we worked really, really intensely for a week. And then after that, I said, where can I go from here? You know, I took all my knowledge of making, you know, ink with dirt, as we talked about, you know, using soil. And I've done that commercially with wineries and stuff like that. But we used ash from this burnt up sculpture of his to make a new piece, a print. And taking my my knowledge of like printing off of untraditional materials, like mm-hmm. uh, doing prints off of jeans like I've done, doing prints off of rope like I've done, and stuff I really, really love doing, that experimental stuff, and using actually pieces of his sculpture to make prints off of or play. You know, and I said, that's really the direction I want to go in. And I don't think it can get better than this with what I have right now. So, yeah, I just kind of wanted to share with with everyone some big news, if you don't mind. We'd love Please that. Please do. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> We're yeah. We're on the edge of our seats um, here. <laughs> right. So, like, so I've decided to sell the Aesthetic Union, and I have a buyer. And so I'll be walking away from it in this this year, this tenth year. What? Um, wow! Which is yeah. So this is first time I'm kind of going public with it and stuff like that. And, Very uh, cool. You know it. You know at the, you know me saying this right now, we're in like really deep talks. We should be able to sign something in March and stuff like that. I don't want to say who it is right now, but it's it's, yeah. it's internal. It's exactly who I wanted to 
that's exactly who I want wanted it to be inherited by, and yeah. someone who's going to take it in a good direction. But it's it's also it's not the end of the shop. It's still going to be around. It's just going to evolve and be in her direction, you know. Yeah. And I I plan to branch out and do other things as just myself and as an artist and work through the shop sometimes but yeah work more experimental and do other things i can't do because i'm running a business yeah Um, yeah so it's going to lead to like better things i think and also like really pushing the craft of letterpress printing and printmaking in general to to maybe or hopefully a higher level yeah right do you think you'll and be how- staying in the Bay Area? Or are you going to stay in San Francisco? I'm not sure. Yeah. I have so many connections and <laughs> and and friends here now. Um, I don't know what, as you can imagine, it's expensive and like experimental yeah. printmaking doesn't pay a lot. <laughs> so <laughs> only it did. Damn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Printmaking um, alone is hard to break even, and then you <laughs> add the level of experimental to it, and, and San Francisco. Yeah. What yeah. <laughs> But also yeah. how beautiful to have thought you have already created so much of a legacy in something already. So to begin an experimental journey with that foundation of having created a legacy and one that you have already witnessed it touching other people's lives. And Mariah and I talk about this a lot as, you know, we share a lot of what we do. And we see people immediately implement what we do. And we always check ourselves and remind ourselves that whenever that happens, we could sit back and and be proud that we are a piece of someone's success. It only expands our success. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, we're not exactly creating like experimental, you know, methods, but we're you know, not whatever, by any means. But whatever we're, you know, whenever <clears throat> we're sharing things and people ask us those questions and then we see them like run way past where we ever thought they would be you know it's like you have this moment of a little bit of you know a, like a defense mechanism comes into play where you're like oh that was like our thing you know that we did and now they're just running with it and you're like well you know but hey <laughs> your success is our <laughs> success you know we're just proud to be a part of that journey but um yeah. also do you feel a little i mean i know that you're still finalizing some details and stuff but you have a whole your, the whole world is your oyster you could do anything is that a little bit overwhelming <laughs> Yeah, it is a little overwhelming. I, I've been toying with some ideas, but I don't want to get out of, you know, letterpress printing completely. Yeah. And I don't want to. I've been I've been doing it since two thousand and five. You know, two thousand six, and I, I think there's so much more for the craft to offer, and and in turn myself to it. I just think that I've seen and I've worked for a lot of people that have been stuck with it, like working under an entity that they've made for, you know, 30 years. And it just, it looks really bad at the end because they get burnt out and fizzled out. And I was kind of starting to see that myself too over the past, especially with the pandemic and everything like that. I mean, we held it together (laughs) and I've seen so many shops, especially now. You know, everyone was afraid of shops closing during the pandemic and it did happen. But now it's almost like every other week in San Francisco, I see it like an entity like this close. And I'm just so happy that it's going to keep living just yeah. mm-hmm. through another person's eyes and someone with a completely different background and someone with a completely different skill set. And that's that's so cool to me. And I yeah, I just. I can't give it up because it's just it's who it's you part are. Of me. Yeah, there's yeah. ink in my blood by now. <laughs> and that's metaphorically that's and literally. Hopefully not hopefully not a whole lot of lead, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, how exciting for you. Yeah. Um and what a like what a freedom. And you know, it's like it's hard, you know, because letterpress is an art form and I personally have a hard time identifying as an artist, even though, you know, letterpress is an art form and, you know, a medium. And it's it's really cool to just take that and be like, look, I don't want to 
I don't want to learn to hate the business that I've built. And you've been doing mm -hmm. it for 10 years and beyond. And it's like, just super cool that you can take that freedom and say, hey, I really want to just focus on what I love and, you know, make the most out of it. It's pretty awesome. So congrats in a way. <laughs> yeah, Thank absolutely. You. Yeah. Congrats. Yeah, it's it's uh, I'm still. I'm still kind of getting used to the fact, but I was, you know, after talking with a lot of printers about it and, and other artists, I think it's going to be a good move. You know, I can travel around. I can finally like see some amazing printers I want to see in Japan and Europe and stuff like that. Something I couldn't do when running the shop. And I've, I've tried several different methods where you're just trying to get like a really good team together yeah, and they can run it. And it never really, it never really formulates for me for some reason. Totally. I don't know why, but I don't also don't think I want to ever be that business owner that comes in one day right. a week and just yeah. is totally hands off. It's just, yeah. it's just not me. So I think this is the, this is the best. I'm excited to see where the art can go too. I mean, yeah. there's some really cool things that I've done over that past 10 years and I technique wise and art wise i think that it can just improve from there yeah cool. yeah um when we met you at the printers fair in los angeles um in october you had if i remember correctly you had a truck which is like a mobile setup right oh yeah so are you gonna maybe use some of that and travel around north america maybe <laughs> <laughs> it's possible yeah i um depends on it depends on logistics. You know, <laughs> I don't know if that truck's going to be part of the, like, the, the sale, sale or not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, good point, good point. You know, it would be interesting. It would be, it would be really something. I do have enough presses here that I think I do want to, like, create another space somewhere yeah. else that might be just kind of imitation private studio kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, so, but... I don't really know what's going to happen with the print truck. That's a that was a very exciting thing. I think there's I think there's a lot of potential for it. It was basically me wanting to go camping and go outside and make prints outside and like yeah. like tell people that I can do mobile print studio setups and, and workshops, which kind of never happened. But um, <laughs> sometimes I have these ideas that really catch on ten years later. But, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> This could very well be one of them. You're just Can very you? out of the curve. Ten years from now, we'll re-listen to this episode and see if there's any any ideas we need to put into play. <laughs> I mean, there's there's been some really successful things like what, Power and Light Press, I think, had that mobile mm -hmm. print studio. Uh, mm -hmm. And there were some other people, too, that had like a Vandercook and a van stuff. <laughs> it is epic. Right? So what, it's awesome. What's the insurance you, um, policy on that car, do you think? <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh um we should we should describe a little bit of what's in that uh what's in your van so that our listeners truck, know yeah yeah mm. in your truck yeah yeah so it's um we got to see it it is a pretty sweet truck it's a 2019 toyota tacoma um trd off-road so it's fully capable and like i got it from a guy from texas who moved to san francisco and just was like i can't park this anywhere and i was like i have parking <laughs> It is right before all the prices climbed were skyrocketed high. So yeah, of course. I got this truck. It's a long bed because I'm a long boy and I can sleep in it. <laughs> and uh, but then I was like, oh shit, this would be super cool. I have this little etching press. It would be really awesome. This this tailgate is actually perfectly standing height platform for me. And uh, so I contacted this guy, Michael who owns Berkeley Builders, who built a lot of kind of camping rigs in the back of trucks and vans and stuff. And he made the platform bed on one side of the, the bed, which has a big pull-out drawer, and then the which turns into the middle part of the pull-out drawer, turns into an ink mixing table, which is removable and there's ink underneath. And then the other side of the bed, the top comes, comes off and becomes the sign for the printer's truck, which is Part of the bed when it's inside of the truck and then there's a uh the etching press lives up by the cab and i pull the etching press out lock it into the tailgate and then there's a water tank on kind of the side there because i use all water soluble inks when i'm out in the field 
And so it just becomes this really great setup. People love seeing it. It's, uh, I would love to get maybe the next evolution. I have my sights on maybe an electric truck um, because global warming's real and mm-hmm. <laughs> or climate change's real, right? So I would love to do something like that. But it's a fun, it's a fun thing. And I was doing a lot. I'm so inspired by landscapes and the earth, whether I'm using soil for the ink or if I'm just trying to capture the feeling of a place with lino blocks and, and traditional, more traditional methods. This was a great opportunity to get me off the beaten path and off the highway into yeah. places that a lot of people don't see or a lot of people with like, you know, quote unquote trucks get to see, but they don't really get to appreciate because they're, yeah. you know, chugging beers and doing their <laughs> diesel thing. You know, yeah. I'm like the art, I'm the only artist out there. So yeah. that's pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. The new John Muir, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we talked about it. Obviously, I originally, I think I saw you on Instagram in like 2017, 2018, making ink from dirt. And I was just like, whoa, you can make ink from dirt. And of course, like when you logically think about that, it makes sense, right? But just the first time you see it, you're like, what? And I work with wineries in Napa running their wine clubs. And I used to live in Napa Valley. And I have gotten the green light with Julie Johnson of Grace Sabores to host a little ink making, printing, whatever. So we'll have to coordinate that regardless of what happens with the print truck. <laughs> we'll have cool. to figure out some kind of <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll do it. opportunity. Yeah, but that would be super yeah, cool. Yeah, you could. I was really inspired by making my own ink because in in college i stumbled across this ink making book and i wish i took more photos of it but it was from the 1800s and it was instructions for printers on how to make ink um and most the only thing i really remember was how to make black ink from it and it's taking burnt bread and burnt bones and which is carbon and mixing it with linseed oil and i forget what kind of dryer they used but basically it was it was like making a really, really thick oil paint. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's kind of what I do now with that, with the dirt. Some dirt works or soil works better than other soils. Yeah. But I think it's, it's really cool when you have a specialty wine label yeah. made with the soil that the grapes are grown in. I think that's a great, a great thing. Totally. And good like- thing how to, yeah. Yeah. And like, so the property that I work with, they're, you know, organic CCOF certified and very focused Mm -hmm. on compost and, you know, keeping everything very uh, environmentally friendly and self-sustained. And so I'm like, all of all the wheels start turning, right? I'm like, I bet we could use the skins from the grapes after they're pressed. I bet we could use like, you know, leaves from pruning. I've been like Rutherford in Napa is known for its quote unquote Rutherford dust. The soil type is very Mm -hmm. specific. It's famous to that particular appellation. And it's like, how freaking cool would it be to print something with Rutherford dust in Rutherford from the winery that it's printed for, you know, like I just think yeah. that whole like closed circle is just such a cool concept. You know, I just love that. Would be awesome. that. I would yeah. love to do that. That would sounds yeah. amazing. I've thought well, about wines, like that sort of thing too, where like drying, if you dry wine down, you get that kind of powder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And scraping well, that powder off. Yeah. And the grape skins are are just a byproduct of the process. But when you actually mm-hmm. use a bag press and press them, like the skins are essentially dried, like they're just yeah. not dehydrated, but the skins are, and they're such a rich color, like that yeah. initial, you know, the pigmentation is so strong. Whereas mm. like with wine, it turns into that darker red. And as it dries, it gets really kind of black brown. But I think mm-hmm. with the grapes, it would probably like maintain more of that purpley color. So I think it'd be a cool process. It would. I've actually worked with leathers that have been dyed with grapes. It's, yeah. It's an uh. Italian leather shop and I've used them for various hotel projects in my previous career. And it's really fascinating the way that you can get dyes out of so many different products from the earth. It's yeah. just incredible. And that's why, like I said, when you think about the fact that you're making ink from dirt, like logically, you're like, well, of course, they originally (laughs) would have made ink from dirt or, you know, burnt things (laughs) or whatever. And you're like, duh. But at the same time, you know, we don't we don't think about what goes into things anymore. You know, we're so instantaneous. Well, it feeds feeds back into that transcendence that we're talking about of, you know, James is thinking, like, where can the art go? 
Yeah. And how letterpress printers are always kind of innately thinking about art and commercialism all at the same time. And for me, I feel like businesses are moving in that direction where Trace Abores would absolutely be floored to have their wine labels printed with the dust from their vineyard. Yeah. And that feeds into their brand story. And it is artisans like James who are, you know, experimenting with that and bringing that to the forefront and allowing the art to grow in that direction, even at the commercial level. Um, Because in essence, the story is the most important part about making a sale. So um, I think a lot of brands are always looking for that opportunity to have a more authentic story. Yeah, in a way to stand out. really cool. Yeah, a way to stand out from competitors too. And, you know, there's so much in in the sales and selling of anything and branding in general that like that story is so much of it, you know. Um, And I also think when you can create an experience that puts people in touch with the thing behind whatever you're buying, they're obviously going to be so much more likely to buy it, but they're going to remember that forever. And, you know, when I talked to you initially about this, I was like, Julie would be perfect for this. This is mm-hmm. so on brand for what they do at the property. And when you go visit, how they tie you into, you know, the vineyard because you're looking at the vines right there and the property has this, you know, longevity and story behind it. And I just love like I love obviously being able to merge my two my two worlds, but <laughs> also just the idea of, oh, whoa, like two things you never ever would think would probably work well together. Like wine or winemaking and letterpress printing but here we are you know like <laughs> who's to say you can't merge Just those so, things right who's to say i you think those with clay I be think careful those about two, what them together yeah i think those two things went well together long before we were around um, totally. you know yeah. my mind immediately went when you were talking about great skins was like yeah we should make wine then we should make grappa and then we should make ink yeah i mean yeah. this is use absolutely use every part the While transformation. We're at it, there's a black yeah. walnut tree. Let's make make some nocino. Then we'll yes. make some like iron gall ink. Yeah, and let's my go. inner Italian, my Jersey <laughs> yeah. Shore Italian, is smiling Perfect. right now. Thank yeah, you. I love it. <laughs> yeah, maybe some use some herbs and some olives mm-hmm. to do other things. Like, why not? Let's make a whole dinner out of it. <laughs> oh, may- yeah, maybe I'll move up to Napa. Who knows? Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There, I think there was at one point there was a printer with I think a Vanderclook in like mm-hmm. Mount Veter in Napa, which I'm just mm. like, what a dream! I want to live on Mount Veter, looking over Napa Valley, and just making prints on my Vanderclook. Uh, like, <laughs> there's yeah. so many, there's so many great printers up in the North Bay. I was just, I, I know we're kind of running out of time, but there's the North Bay Printers Guild up there. I forget what it's called, the Community Print Guild that's under a uh, new leadership. Uh, with Andrew. He's really, really awesome. And hopefully there's going to be some more stuff. It's in Sebastopol um, and things like that. But um, there's so many really amazing printers up in North Bay that that I've got to talk to just just being in San Francisco. I look at uh, In Cahoots, Macy Chadwick's place up in Petaluma. I mean, that's amazing. And I think it just keeps going. The more north you go, the more crazy it it becomes the more yeah. weird it gets which is totally. good weird is good which is how california is yeah. right like yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, i love that mm-hmm. awesome well mm. no matter how you rebrand yourself after you know the sale of aesthetic union and everything it'll be fun to work with you on some cool projects hopefully in the in the near future thanks we'll, we'll thank you. and it'll be it'll amazing just be to see me. what you do yeah that's it'll great be- we love it yeah we're here for yeah. it yeah and yeah. Uh, we'll get some wine it'll be great <laughs> awesome sounds good what I'm more down. do you need right yeah. A part yeah. of me really hopes that someone's like, I want to make a documentary about you because I would watch that documentary. Like yeah. I oh. visually want to see everything you do on this journey you're about to go on. Yeah. So. Be become a YouTube star for us, will you? <laughs> oh geez. I thought I had enough work with TikTok and Instagram now. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, TikTok and Instagram. Yeah, it's been it's been interesting. Oh. So going from like Tumblr, you were probably doing a lot mm-hmm. more like writing and then maybe some photos to supplement but how have you like it seems i mean you're you do pretty active stuff on tiktok and stuff right yeah i uh so it's it's weird because i am definitely more of a writer than i am kind of a tiktok cam or anything like that (laughs) and it's 
and poetry is like a big part of my life too. And I, I just, yeah, it's just, it's gotten a little weirder because of video has to be part of it. And I don't know if it mm-hmm. necessarily has to, has to be part of it, but, but it's, it's this kind of more immediate, this immediate video thing. Yeah. Cause mm-hmm. I, I do like art that's planned out. I like art that's considered and, and thoughtful. So it's like, how do you make considered and thoughtful things when it's kind of spur of the moment? I do love yeah. a spontaneity and spur of the moment stuff, but I don't know if they're, I don't know. I got in trouble it's... last time I was on a podcast saying this, but I don't know if there needs to be more <laughs> spontaneous like shit in the world. Um, uh, we, but, I think um, we fully agree with that. Okay. I think, I think uh, that TikTok is like disposable. It's like use yeah. once, throw away. And it's like, yeah, that's, it's a tough concept for somebody who's creating thoughtful intention, intentional art. <laughs> it's but so do, much but, quantity and not yeah. quality. Yeah. And like, but that's what really gets me. With, with letterpress though, we, there is a history of printing ephemeral with, which is stuff you use once and throw away. Right. Yeah. So if we think of TikTok being kind of the contemporary ephemera, is there a way that we can make good ephemera? Yeah. And I think there might be. That's kind of been my kind of theory of how TikTok should be and how I'm trying to use it and how I'm trying to use reels and stuff like that. And marketing yeah. is like if marketing is ephemera, it's going to go away. How do we make mm-hmm. it really, really good and tell a good story? Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's all I got to say about it. <laughs> I don't think that was too bad. I don't think we'll need to cut no. any of that out. It'll be fine. Yeah. No, 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 no. No one's yeah, going to come yeah, for yeah. you after that. Yeah. yeah. There's other things. I am just are. really impressed that I feel like it would be very easy for someone who did use Tumblr and blogged mostly to welcome all of these social media platforms as they come online and use them really well and not feel... I know that what you said might sound like you just don't feel really great about it, but you feel good enough to be participating. There are other people who are just like, I'm not going to play the game. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think even that is just inspiring because you really you never know how this new platform might push you in a way that unlocks something else that may end up having nothing to do with posting reels or TikToks. But Mm -hmm. it has now like just clicked something in your brain for something else. Well, even if it just gets the creative energy flowing or getting, you know, your wheels turning, it's it's still valuable in that way, right? I I always I think about it kind of like Mr. Rogers and Reading Rainbow, right? Television was uh, like uh destroying your brain when I was young. But I specifically (laughs) love Mr. Rogers Reading Rainbow, Bob Ross, like educational TV, quote unquote. Yeah. Yeah. Those actually taught me something. They actually formed my views of Oh my God, Star Trek The Next Generation for my views of ethics on like, <laughs> you know, and, and I loved it. And so can that exist in the new media method? Can that exist on TikTok? And I think that's what you're kind of seeing with really successful TikTok, like the Sacramento History Museum, right? Like yeah. with mm-hmm. Howard. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's what you see. That's what mostly I follow when I, when you go through my Instagram feed, it's mostly educational stuff. And it's something that I kind of like doing too. Is like, how do you make it fun? How do you make it educational? Yeah. And yeah, how do you play with it? And also, how as a maker, how do you set boundaries? Because that you could get easily, easily sucked in um, a lot. It's something I talk a lot about with a couple artists, mostly my friend Anna Busco, who's an amazing artist. And we talk about those boundaries on social media a lot. Social media has really or media in general has really made us as artists in a way. I don't know if that's different than any other point of history, but how do you really create those boundaries so you're not um, being overwhelmed with all yeah. this other crap? Yeah. And getting sucked into it, you know, as a person trying to balance mm-hmm. a business with, you know, creating something just for joy and also having to feel obligated and sucked into creating these reels or tiktoks for the social media spheres that maybe do or don't succeed on the algorithm you know it's it's hard yeah absolutely yeah yeah all right well i know that we're getting close to the end of our time but i want to loop it back really quick to printing so normally at the end of each episode we 
Mariah and I include something that is hot off our presses. So Mm -hmm. is there anything that you have been working on recently that you're really excited about or proud about or want to share with us? Yeah, I mean, as the shop, you know, so there's there's really cool things that we're working on right now. Um, and we we hit something really big. There's a, a I love to sell art supplies in the front of my shop because I always thought that gets my juices flowing uh, for any kind of art project. And we always had some I always had a love with watercolor, whether we're selling kids for making watercolors or any other thing. And we started printing tarot cards, watercolor yes. tarot cards on watercolor paper. It's oil-based ink, so the it makes you look like a genius because the watercolor <laughs> doesn't adhere to the oil-based ink. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Twenty-two major arcana for twenty-five bucks for selling for now, and That's we can't awesome. keep them stock. It's really, really fun. It's great. It's a great time with um, with family or friends, loved ones, whatever. So those are really, really fun. I really like my invention. It's kind of caught on, kind of not. Maybe this is a ten years down the line thing, but. Um, <laughs> This thing called Post Haste that I uh, came up with, which has l- six letterpress printed uh, note card sheets, which yeah. are bound together on a piece of chipboard. And then you flip it over and it's six pre-stamped envelopes. So you're awesome. never looking for envelopes. And you're just writing your note on one side, tearing it off, flipping it around, putting it in the envelope, writing the address and mailing. Awesome. That's um, amazing. So, and then it's they're pre-stamped, so you never have to find a stamp. Um, so we have those which is going up on Monday. So (laughs) yeah, is it? Yeah, it's going up like sixty three cents, baby. Yeah, sixty three cents. Jeez. Uh, so I just have like a lot of investment right now with stamps. So (laughs) you want cheap stamps? Come to me. Yeah, you you and me both. It's practically a discount as of this twenty second. So there you go. Uh, oh, we're rolling out more products for this year too. Um, new line of greeting cards that are that are going to be artist-inspired greeting cards, different sizes of uh, uh, post-haste projects. Uh, so that's a number ten envelope right now, but we're having a seven size, two size, different types of designs. So that's going to be really fun. And more water your color own things as well. So more watercolor your own mushroom identification kind of like cards watercolor your own gemstone cards too so yeah stay tuned for future by the time this podcast comes out maybe they're online so go to (laughs) and purchase purchase some stuff it keeps us in business it keeps all the employees paid and uh us well and happy Awesome. Yeah, I actually literally saw the watercolor tarot cards. On, I think you shared them on Instagram. And I was like, Oh, my God, this is we Jillian and I have talked about tarot cards, but there's so many that it's like, it's a big print project. And to do yeah. any kind of color or elaborate design, obviously, is, you know, really labor intensive. Mm-hmm. But I love the idea of watercoloring your own because I cannot paint to save my life, but I can fill in some lines for sure. So there you <laughs> go. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you do uh, some workshops as well. Um, you have a couple of those coming oh, up, yeah. I think. I have a couple of workshops coming up. Um, I'm always trying to do two workshops a month in the studio, and we'll continue to do that um, on this Vandercook behind me in the video. It's a universal one. Really, really great time. About two and a half, three hours with me, and we make three posters each, nine by 12 posters using wood type and line of blocks. I teach you about color theory and ink mixing, and we have just a great time. We also teach company workshops and also rent the studio for private workshops out. And that's all online. You can find it at under the workshops tab on our Perfect. website. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yay. Well, is there anywhere that our listeners could go if in addition to following the aesthetic union, they also just wanted to follow you for your personal yeah. journey? Yeah, you could follow me right now. I'm James Lewis Tucker on uh instagram lewis as l-e-w-i-s um and uh that's where I, I do a lot of poetry right now a lot of art projects um but i don't know i'll just i'll let people know i also have a great yeah. newsletter too um that i send out and follow that sign up for that that's really great we have a, we never kind of spam people so uh, sign up for the newsletter <laughs> that'll really help us perfect yeah and is that also at the aesthetic union Okay, Mm -hmm. perfect. Yay. Well, thank you so much, James. This was truly a delight. 
to have you on. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It's great to talk to everyone and tell everyone my big plans for the future. Yeah. And uh, just keep following along. It's going to be a journey and we'll all take it together. Yeah, awesome. we can't wait. We'll be there with <laughs> you for sure. Um, thanks for sharing that on the podcast. We appreciate, you know, some big news to drop to people. That's always fun. And um, yeah, it was great to talk to you. And hopefully we'll get to see and hear more from you uh, soon. Yeah. 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 Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. That was, it was so great having James on the podcast. Like, yeah, that was a good one. I really love talking to James. He has such a great perspective on like, it's like, like you said it best. I think when we were talking the antithesis to like old traditionalist, like crusty printers, he like is so interested in seeing progress and, you know, experimentation and, you know, creating new bounds for what letterpress can be and what that looks like. So really cool to talk to him about all of that. Yeah. And the fact that he built this like whole business around being incredibly playful and collaborative, and it's just really beautiful and so exciting to get to share with our audience this whole transition that they're in now. Yeah, so exciting. Both uh, Jillian and I had no idea when we started the call that James was going to drop this big news. So it was really cool uh, to be able to share that with everyone. And for both of us, it was really exciting that he trusted us with that, you know, information and with the like, you know, announcement of it to kind of the world or the letterpress community anyway. So that was that was really cool and very special for us. So thanks, James. Yeah, yeah. So if you're listening, and you really enjoyed our conversation with James and You want to keep tabs on everything that happens over at the Aesthetic Union. You can follow them on Instagram at the Aesthetic Union. You can also check out their amazing website, which is theaestheticunion.com. And um, if you just want to follow James, I know we talked about his Instagram handle, but just again to remind you, and all of this will be in our show notes, it's James Lewis Tucker on Instagram. And they do some really amazing stuff on TikTok. Like we talked about, you know, being really purposeful with social media. And I think if you want to fill your feed with more, letterpress I don't know, printing, it, yeah, le- yeah, exciting letterpress printing content, then these are the accounts that you should definitely be following. Perfect. And if you want to follow us, of course, we are over on Instagram at hot off the press pod, and you could um, come on over and continue the conversation. There will be a post up for this episode, you could let us know what you thought about our interview with James. Um, send him some love and well wishes on his new journey. I'm sure he would greatly appreciate that. And yeah, okay, this was really great. This was so much fun. Thank you, James. Thank, Thank you, everyone, you, for listening. All right, <laughs> we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.